Ivan and Melon, and welcome back to Interesting Tales from Tolkien, a Podmoot. I'm Mel. And I'm Kristen. And this week, we are sitting down to recap The Fellowship of the Ring, which we just finished together. How exciting. Mel, can you believe that we are at the end of season two? We've finished two of the books. I can't believe it. Yes, we're blasting through this. (laughs) So we put out the challenge for our listeners to come to us with 30-second recaps of the entire Fellowship of the Ring. Right now, I don't have any in the inbox, but we are recording a little bit early because of your travel plans. Uh, But what I did get is a recap from your friend Patricia of the entire Lord of the Rings. She did not recap (laughs) the entire... She did the entire story. Okay, that is serious props to Patricia. But she uh, it was not in 30 seconds, although I'm not sure if any of us will ever successfully do that, though I will try it in the future. And since it's the entirety of Lord of the Rings, I'm actually going to save that, if that's okay, until we've covered the books and the movies. I look forward to that. And I also I appreciate that you manage the Gmail account and make sure that I don't get spoiled because when that came in, I was really tempted to listen to it. And I, I'm really glad that you said, no, 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 no. Like, let me make sure that there's nothing in there that's going to spoil you. So Patricia, thank you so much. And also to Lincoln and John and Elizabeth and Andy, who have sent in recaps in previous episodes. They've been really fun for us. And Anybody else who's listening, and you know, even if maybe you're coming to this podcast in the future, long after we've actually uploaded the episodes, we would love to hear your take on recaps of a chapter or a book of the fellowship or any of the future things or of the movie or whatever the differences between a movie and a book. Like we would love to hear your takes. So please reach out to us, join our discord, which you can find in the show notes or email us at podmeet at gmail.com, tweet at us, whatever. Just, we love hearing your thoughts. So thank you to those of you who've shared them so far. And we look forward to continuing the conversation. Definitely. And if anyone does send there's in between us recording and me uploading. You'll be hearing this now and I'm going to insert them all, every single one of them, right here. Frodo back into the Hobbit lives in the Shire with his uncle Bilbo, who gives him a magic ring and he disappears. The friend Gandalf the wizard discovers that the Dark Lord Sauron made the ring. Frodo leaves the Shire with his Hobbit pal Sam, Merry, and Pippin while being chased by Sauron's Black Riders. Aragorn and the Ranger leads him to Rivendell, the haven of Elrond Half-Elven. The council there sends Gandalf, Legolas the Elf, Kumla the Dwarf, and Boromir the Man of Gondor with the five to destroy the ring and Sauron's fortress of Mordor. They travel through the ruined mines of Moria where Gandalf falls fighting a Balrog. The eight shelter in the wooded elven kingdom of Lorien. Queen Galadriel gives them boats to ride the river Anduin. Boromir tries to take the ring, but they are attacked by orcs. Frodo and Sam sneak away to journey alone. Okay, Mel, we have reached the end of the fellowship. I'm ready. So it is your turn to recap the entire book. And because I'm feeling particularly generous this Sunday afternoon that we're recording, why don't we say you can have a full minute, a full minute, listeners, we are going to give Mel a full minute to recap the entire fellowship. I expect names. I expect details. I expect the Reader's Digest version of the book. Are you ready? I am ready. You are very generous. Here you go. 
three, two, one. So Frodo's off and living in the Shire and his Uncle Bilbo gives him his magical ring of power. We don't know it's a ring of power yet. And then goes off into the distance and we don't see him for a while. Frodo is then told 17 years later that it is the ring and it has to get out of the Shire. So he makes a huge plan to leave the Shire with his gardener Sam, but his cousins Mary and Pippin join him along the way. Oh, and we met an elf called Gildor. That's very important to Kristen. So we leave the Shire and we meet Tom Bombadil in the forest. We have all these adventures. We go to Bree and we meet Strider and then we keep going towards Rivendell. Frodo is stabbed by a ring wraith and that is really bad, but it's okay because he gets to Rivendell with the help of an elf called Gil, uh, Glorfindel. And then after that, he has a council with Elrond and all these other people, and they form a fellowship of nine companions. It's really, really important. We've got Gandalf, Bilbo. No, not Bilbo. I'm getting so confused. So anyways, off they go. Gandalf dies in the mines of Moria. Really, really sad. They go to Lorien where they give an awesome gifts, and they get on the river, and they start floating down the river together, but there's tensions in the fellowship, and they need to decide which way to go. Boromir goes crazy because of the ring, making Frodo make the decision to leave alone, but Sam joins him, and off they go. Ladies and gentlemen, may I just share with you that Mel has misnamed Frodo as Bilbo. Yes, I did. Thank you very much. My work here is done. <laughs> I did. <laughs> the drinking game continues. <laughs> actually, actually, do you want to know the word? But I wasn't misnaming Frodo. I was thinking of Bill the Pony. <laughs> Bilbo, Bill the Pony. But mad props to Gildor and Glory, and you made the recap. Now, you did displace Farmer Maggot, but, you know, we're not going to, like mince words here <laughs> i also didn't name gladriel or um Kelleborn. well they're immortal we'll get to them eventually <laughs> oh. <laughs> listeners in future episodes we will definitely include recaps of fellowship even when we're talking about the other books so if you have not had a chance to send yours in mel has thrown down that gauntlet if you can do it in 30 seconds you will have so much. I'm trying to think of something. I will give you so much. <laughs> if you can do it in 60 seconds, I'll still be proud of you. You'll have my pride. What, what's the name of that, the Elvish butterbeer that you hate when I call butterbeer? Um, the Murinvau, I'm pretty sure it is. I might be getting names confused. I can look it up. I've got a book right here. Maruvor. I was close. Listeners, if you send in your recaps, we will drink a swig of Miravor. What is that what it's called? Miravor? Miravor. Butterbeer. In your honor. Mel <laughs> <laughs> no, hates it when I call it butterbeer, but it's what it is. It's I Elvish really butterbeer. It's not. Butterbeer is a, just a drink. This is like a potion. <laughs> so what we thought we'd do today, since we're not focusing on a particular chapter, we're really talking about our experiences of the whole book is in going back through the book and looking at phrases that I had underlined and things that we've already talked about. I just realized there are a lot of questions that were raised, little breadcrumbs that were dropped, a sentence here, a phrase here. And I just have questions going forward. And I'm not Mel, I'm not expecting that you're going to answer my questions, but I thought that they would just be things that we could discuss. Like there was this sentence and 10% of it has played out. And maybe that's going to show up later on in the quest for the ring. Or maybe it's just a little tidbit of 
Middle Earth in general, and it's not going to show up till the Silmarillion or never at all. So I, I just, I have a whole list of things that I, I kind of wanted to ask you about, and maybe we could chat about, and then we'll get into some other fun things like how did Krista do in her predictions? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Let's do this. I'm really curious about what breadcrumbs you've picked up along the way. Okay. So my first one is at Bilbo's 111st birthday party and he vanishes and then pieces out and talks to Gandalf, blah, 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 blah. And then it says Bilbo was never seen in Hobbiton again. Okay. That's pretty obvious. He's leaving. We eventually find out that he's in Rivendell and I'm assuming that's where he ends his days. I'm assuming that Bilbo and particularly then like at the Council of Elrond, he offered to take the ring and was basically told, no, dude, your part of the story's done. The ring has moved on. You need to move on. And so Bill was like, great, I'm going to sit here by the fire and write songs of poetry and I'm done and finish my book. So I'm just curious. I'm wondering whether Bilbo plays a further role in this story. I know you can't tell me, but it's just one of the things that I'm thinking about. Like, do we ever get back to the Shire? And clearly Bilbo doesn't, if any of the others do. So I'm just curious if Bilbo shows up again in the future. Yeah. Be interesting to see if old Bilbo shows up again somewhere along the way or somewhere on the way back. Who knows? So then the next thing I saw was Sam's friend, Hal. And Hal was talking about seeing a walking elm tree. Now, we've seen that, for example, old man willow, like we've seen that the trees are alive in a different kind of way in Middle Earth. And we saw when the hobbits were first going through the forest and they were basically prevented from walking any way except towards the Withywindel. So I'm just wondering, when do we actually see the walking trees? Because I think that's going to be pretty cool. Are there walking trees? Well, there are moving trees. Like, I really do think that those ruts in the forest are made by the roots of the trees when they're walking. And they, it's like footprints. For the trees, these these root prints, I guess, is what you'd call it. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I just. I want to know what the walking elm tree is about because this is not something that appeared in a dream. Like this is something that Sam's friend told him happened, and it happened close enough to Hobbiton that they're talking about it. So I'm just. It's just something I'm looking out for. So I guess the question is because we're using the word walking. Are they walking as in roots come up out of the ground or are they more sliding through the soil? I'm just curious. What's the difference between a walking and a moving tree? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Like I I have envisioned that, okay, so now I'm channeling Disney's Fantasia and one of my favourite parts of the original Fantasia is the little mushrooms that dance. And there's the one mushroom who's so short that he has to keep hiking up his dress. So oh, I've, I love that scene. Aren't they cute? I love Fantasia. And I, I wondered if the trees were like that, where they like hike their roots up, hike them up out of the ground 
and then sort of tiptoe like the mushrooms and then slither them back into the ground. That's the image that's in my head. But I could also see where like the roots don't ever come out of the ground. And so all we see is like the trunk of the tree kind of like a chess piece moving on the ground, but the roots are still slithering. Like, I, I don't know, but I do think, uh, I don't know. This isn't really a prediction. It's more a question. I just, I want to see the walking trees. That's what I'm saying. All right. What's your next one? Gandalf knows that Gollum has a role to play. Okay. This is a huge breadcrumb and we are already seeing that not only did Gollum lose the ring to Bilbo and make sure that then the, the ring got to the Shire and then got to Frodo, but Gollum was imprisoned and then escaped. And then Gollum's been following them. Gollum's been spotted and he's already tried. I think that time when it was the log with eyes and all of that, like I think that that was Gollum's first attempt to try to steal the ring back from Frodo. I don't think we're done with that. Uh, do you mean in Lothlorien maybe when he turn allegedly maybe turns up on the um, flat and is flees when the elves come? Because he was a lot closer to Frodo that time than on the log. Mm, well, there was so that's two times, right? Like the the time when he climbed up the flat and. Then the elf touched the tree and Gollum fled. And then there was the time when he was the log with eyes in the river. And then there was that splashing and he jumps out and is frightened off by Frodo's knife and Aragorn and all of that. And then they, they finally have the conversation there on the river or on the river bank where Aragorn's like, yeah, I know he's been following us. We just got to keep an eye out for him and he's dangerous. I know that we're not done with Gollum. And also now that Frodo and Sam are off on their own and they've been on the river and now they've come ashore and put their boat up and they're starting to walk. Like, you can't tell me that Gollum didn't notice that a boat was leaving. And okay, maybe Frodo was invisible with the ring, but Sam was certainly not invisible, thrashing all around in the water and being rescued. And Frodo may have been invisible, but I can't imagine that the ring also makes you silent. Like, surely Gollum would have heard Frodo calling out to Sam and all of that. And all he has to do is paddle along. And so I, I think Gollum is still really in the picture and following Sam and Frodo down the river. So I, I, now what role Gollum has to play? That's, that's a really interesting thing to think about, right? Because this idea that he is still obsessed with the ring and wants it but i can't imagine if he gets the ring that he's gonna then like oh here's sauron here's your ring like i just i just don't see that like even if Gollum were able to steal it again wouldn't he just go off running i'm just you know it, it's this is these are all the things that i'm thinking about when i read that sentence yeah yeah and that's a good point that you just made if Gollum were to get the ring would he give it to Sauron or would it be going back to, you know, him being obsessed with it and hiding away with it? Well, and then I was also thinking about how, okay, Gollum had it for all those years. He stole it from Smeagol, killed Smeagol for it. No, he's Smeagol. He killed Deagle. Okay, right. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so he kills Deagle and 
But unlike some of these other larger-than-life characters of Middle-earth who are tempted by the ring or who want the ring, so, you know, Isildur, and then Galadriel is tempted by it, and then, you know, Boromir is obsessed with it. Like, these are all people who want to wield the ring of power or who are offered the chance, say, to wield the ring of power. Gollum goes and hides with it. Like, I just, that is really interesting to me that he only uses it, like, in his lair. Well, if you remember the whole story, he got the ring and came back to his home without his cousin, Deagle, and then over time he used the ring for evil purposes, stealing and spying and knowing people's secrets. So he was cast out of his community and then he went into hiding with the ring in the caves where Bilbo eventually found it. Right. This is what I'm saying, though. Like, he did not attempt world domination. No. He only got so far in his small community. And then they kicked him out, and he's like, fine, well, I'll just go. And 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 he used it to hide from the goblins and to get his little fishes and all of that. But I, I just think that's a sort of interesting part of the story, that Gollum did not attempt to take on Sauron and take over the world. So, so Yeah. So the next one I found is Gandalf says that the cracks of doom may be a quest for others. So this is huge, right? Like that he comes out with that at the very beginning of fellowship, that this is the way to destroy the ring, but maybe it's not Frodo's quest to actually do it. So I'm like, okay, does that mean Frodo has to walk it there, but then somebody else has to be the one that actually gets the ring into the cracks and what's that all about so yeah i i have questions mel you know what i'm gonna say so i just feel I know we have to read the books yeah yeah i just feel there's no point me wasting the words <laughs> okay so then there's uh, a couple of kind of small things like is the slant-eyed southerner a goblin like are we going to have some sort of goblin rebellion and the slant-eyed southerner from brie is going to show up again as the leader of some dark troop I don't know. I think they accused, well, not accused, I think it was speculated that he was part goblin by Frodo's point of view. And then there's the Silmaril that, okay, I'm going to get this wrong. Give it a go. That Glorfindel leaves as a sign that it's okay for them to cross the bridge. (laughs) So that's not a Silmaril. That is an elf stone called a beryl. It is a pale green jewel. Silmarils are very, very important, and there are none floating around Middle-earth anymore, to our knowledge. Okay, cool. Okay, so we've seen Frodo put on the ring a number of times now, and basically every time he puts it on, he wears it for a longer period of time. And this is really concerning to me because... The longer he wears it, the more the Eye of Sauron can see him. And early on, when they first meet Strider, Frodo had made this joke about how the thinning process is going to turn him into a wraith. And Strider admonishes him and says, that's not something to joke about, that the, the wear of the ring will continue to fade. And so I'm wondering how that's going to play out as... Frodo wears the ring more and more 
and continues to fade, we've already seen multiple descriptions of how he appears to look thinner and, and, you know, things like that just in this book. So I'm wondering how that's going to play out as he and Sam are now walking closer and closer and closer to Mount Doom. And, but also like golems on their tail. And presumably once they're in Mordor, then there's going to be orcs and there's all kinds of other stuff. And maybe another one of those black things that Legolas shot out of the sky. Maybe there's more of those. I don't know. Like that. I just think there's going to be more and more like Frodo's going to be caught between I can't be seen in the world of the seeing, but I also like, I really shouldn't be in the world of the unseen too much. Cause then Sauron really knows where I am. Or I, I just wonder how, how Frodo's going to be able to balance that. Yeah, I can imagine that as well. As they get into more and more danger, there's going to be more and more opportunities where it's going to look good to put on the ring to avoid the situation or to feel like that's the only option to get out of the situation. So then my next questions are about Gandalf. Now, we've seen that Gandalf was able to close his mind and that also that Sauron was able to close his mind to Sauron. And so I'm wondering how this sort of occlumency, legitimacy, being able to read thoughts, like I'm wondering how that's going to play among this group of wizards. And if there are other characters in Middle Earth who use this sort of, you know, sentient powers. Um, we saw the mirror of Galadriel and that Galadriel was trying to see what happened to Gandalf, but she couldn't and, but she could see other things and that she could see the eye of Sauron, but the eye of Sauron couldn't see her. And I mean, there's just, there seems to be a lot of these questions. And I guess, I guess this all ties into like Frodo and his use of the ring as well. Like how does this unseen world help or hinder the other progress like i'm curious about this yeah that's a really interesting conversation about the unseen world and who can kind of use it so to speak and then also gandalf says that this war of the ring may be the kings of westerness's last adventure Mm -hmm. i can tell you this one he's talking about aragorn and aragorn's people Right. That's what I was going to ask. And I, we just saw right at the end of Fellowship where all of a sudden Aragorn does not appear to be this washed up ranger anymore. Like he really does appear to be the heir apparent of the throne. So I'm really hoping that what this means is that the peoples of the Westerness show up in the coming books and that there is, uh, and I, I mean, we're going to talk about this coming up about what else is going on in Middle Earth besides Frodo and Sam in the ring, because there's clearly a lot that's going on. I'm going to take this as a prediction that Aragorn's people are going to, as you say, show up. I like the use of that word. It sounds like clicky. <laughs> They're going to show up for him. So I'm also wondering what I'm hoping happens is that there are multiple viewpoints in future books. Like we follow Sam and Frodo a bit and we follow the other members of the fellowship a bit. And then we also find out what's been going on in wider middle earth. 
And just like we've heard these hints of the dealings of Sauron, like, okay, so Sauron destroyed the bridges of Osgiliath, and there's been the the nine writers of it. Like, I, what I'm hoping is that we now start to hear about the workings of the free peoples and the, the peoples of the forces of good in Middle Earth, and that we start to hear about the actions that are being taken to drive back Sauron's forces. And, and it's not just everybody will like, well, I hope Frodo makes, you know, makes a three pointer and gets the ring into the cracks of doom. Like, I, I really, I, I can't imagine that it's that. Like, I really hope that we also hear about these other peoples joining together and that there are more, if not Council of Elrond type situations, but there are more conversations amongst the other free races of Middle Earth and that it's it's a much larger battle than just Frodo in the ring. That's what I really hope happens. Yeah, that would be good because I, I don't like those stories and maybe I'm saying too much. I don't like those stories where it's just, you know, one hero doing one thing and that's all that matters. It's never really that, right? Like there's always, I mean, we've already seen that there are many forces of evil at work in middle earth so yeah i want to have as much information about what the different forces of good are doing to combat the minions of sauron Mm. as well as sauron himself so yeah that that's what i hope is going to happen so that also leads me to whatever happened with that black rider who was questioning dane in erebor and also king brand in dale you know when he he comes back a third time well, he's horse drowned. Well, I would say, well, his horse drowned, right? But so this is this is also the question of okay, there are no more horses, but the black riders were not defeated by the river. Like, what what is up with them? But also, what is up with this idea that Mordor is encroaching upon Dale and Erebor? Like that cannot be positive. Hmm. That. Mordor is right there, and they're they're not going to go for that. The men of Dale and the dwarves of the Lonely Mountain, like they're they're not going to just be like, oh, hey, Mordor, come on in. So yeah, the, I I hope we're going to see some more of that story unfold. Well, and speaking of whatever happened with fill in the blank character, whatever happened with Galdor of the Havens, I want answers. Gildor. <laughs> well him yeah whatever whatever happened with him i want to know probably still walking around that's what he does he's wasting time until he leaves middle earth so i was also kind of thinking about knowing that you were probably going to ask me at some point what happens in the next book and we're gonna talk about that but i i was wondering about the conversation when gandalf was held prisoner where Sauron was like, dude, you can join me and we could defeat Sauron. And Gandalf declines. But I'm wondering if Sauron is still looking for allies because I don't think even as powerful as Sauron is, okay, he's the most powerful, used to be good wizard. I don't think that by himself, he's powerful enough to defeat Sauron and all his minions. So, Sauron's gathering an army, we know this, but 
he needs allies. So I'm starting to think like, where would Saruman look for allies? And Boromir is just as hungry for the ring as Saruman is. And so I'm wondering, like, do Saruman and Boromir unite? Like, is there this now like almost like a third army? So there's like what used to be the Fellowship and then there's the forces of Mordor and Sauron. But then is there like another, like we are going to be the whoop asses of Middle Earth and it's Saruman and Isengard and Boromir and the men of Minas Tirith and like they're going to defeat Sauron. So it's sort of like the end of me and my enemy is my friend kind of thing. And I, I went down this big rabbit hole of who all in middle earth would align with them. And then who would stay aligned with the memory of Gandalf and, and the elves and like the, the true forces of good. And so then I'm like, wait, so then there's, it's like, there's three armies or, or three, sides maybe even more sides and, and so then we're you know because i and then i'm thinking about back in the hobbit the battle of the five armies where it's like who's on whose side and and then at the last minute there's this realignment and and i i just i i mean i'm really excited to see how all this happens but i'm really curious if there's going to be some sort of conversation between the armies of Sauron and the men of Minas Tirith about a possible alignment against Mordor. I would like to keep opening your mind because Minas Tirith is just one city in a larger kingdom. Right, right. So is it just, does Boromir just control that one city and pretty much get them to align or does he have the whole country align? How does that play out? Because we've also got some breadcrumbs about the men of Rohan. Rohan is the country of men right next to Isengard, so it's between Isengard and Gondor, and it seems like there is ill going on there, according to Gandalf. So what's going on with them? Whose side are they on? Well, the current feeling about Rohan is that they could already be aligned with Saruman. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm also, I'm wondering if it's, the conversation of like Sauron and the men of Rohan. And, and I actually think that's already a done deal. I think they are already allied, which is why the fellowship didn't want to go through that pass, why they decided to go through Moria instead. But I, I'm wondering if it's not this, like we can defeat you ministerith people and, and the men of this region, or we can all join together and all of us powerful people can defeat Sauron. And I, I think that then Boromir's people and whoever he ends up being in charge of, and I, I do think in the next books, we're going to meet so many new characters and, and the, the story is going to just explode and expand. I just want to keep expanding on this, sorry. How does Aragorn play into this? Because remember, Aragorn's meant to be the king of Boromir's lands. Would he be okay with aligning with Saruman? Hmm. Or has he got no say in the matter? Or is it kind of like, well, you're not actually king, so shush? Well, we already know that Aragorn's attentions are divided and that he really feels responsible for the hobbits and the ring quest. Now, Frodo and Sam have split off. And so this, I actually, I spent a lot of time kind of thinking about, okay, does Aragorn 
jump in a boat and like fly down the river to try to catch up with Frodo and Sam. And I'm like, no, actually, I don't think that's a good use of resources. So we, we can, we can kind of get into that in a little bit, but I, I think this most recent scene where Boromir tried to steal the ring and where he's now expressed remorse and Aragorn has already said, dude, we don't trust you anymore. I think that the breaking of the fellowship is way more than just the breaking up of the nine or the eight remaining after Gandalf's demise. Like, I think it's also the breaking of the trust between the two men, Aragorn and Boromir. And I, I don't think that Aragorn feels any allegiance anymore. I think he's deeply mistrustful of Boromir and is much more likely to reconsider his whole plan regardless of his heritage or whatever like i i don't i don't think aragorn trusts ormir anymore so he he won't want to go to gondor he would rather do something else than put himself in a position because remember boromir's family runs gondor at the moment yeah i don't see aragorn trusting boromir enough Mm. i can just see him saying like good you guys are on your own i my job here has always been about, I mean, I've got my sword reforged and you have really tried to throw over this ring quest. And I, I don't want to be aligned with you anymore. Like, I actually think that's a a piece of what's going to play out. And maybe even that Aragorn and Boromir end up facing off directly over control of, of some piece of the, sort of ministerial area. I, I don't know. And maybe maybe that's where the Sauron bit comes in, where Boromir is losing to Aragorn, maybe in terms of, like, public favor, and then all of a sudden he's got this really powerful ally, and, uh, yeah, oof. I, okay. Political intrigue. Po- totally political intrigue. I mean, we saw that with the Master of Lake Town. We, we've already seen that political intrigue is just as important in Middle-earth as it is on planet Earth. I also wonder, often the middle part of a trilogy is everything goes badly for everyone. So I I actually think there's going to be a lot more betrayal and defeat. And I I just, I think everybody is going to end up in a total mess in this book, this next book. We're thinking that essentially the side of good will be eating itself up. Both Aragorn and Boromir go to Gondor. And pretty much start rallying support around them. And Aragorn's getting more, you know, the returned king of legend. Oh, my God, isn't he amazing? And Boromir goes, oh, no, I need more. So he gets an ally in Saruman. Would the two sides of Gondor fight each other? So it'll be, you know, Aragorn supporting Gondor versus Boromir, Saruman's army, which includes Rohan, so another kingdom of men? This is a good question. I think in order for... Aragorn and Boromir to actually fight each other. Now that the ring has left, I mean, Frodo and Sam and the ring are no, they're not anywhere to be found. And I don't think Aragorn goes after them. I think the rest of the party has to sort themselves out about what the next steps are. I think in order for Aragorn and Boromir to actually be enemies rather than just like, I don't really trust you, but we're on the same side. I think there's going to have to be another act of betrayal. And I, I don't know 
exactly what that might be. Now, it could totally be that Boromir's family is like, oh, hey, good, you're back, but Aragorn's back and we'd rather have him or, you know, he is the king foretold of old or whatever. Like, I could totally see, you know, Boromir just being given the slight, even though he's also, I mean, he's in line for stuff, right? Like, it's his family that's in charge. So I, I could see him being, he's already jealous of Aragorn, and I could see that becoming more. I could see him going to Sauron and saying, you you really want to defeat Sauron. Minas Tirith is the last stronghold, that remains like if you can defeat Minas Tirith, then you'll have all the rest of Middle Earth, and then we can go after Sauron. Like I could see all of this. I think I, I've already said a bunch of times that one of the things I remember about the movies is just how many battles there are. So I do think there's, <laughs> I think there's a lot of battles coming. But also in the reverse, like if Minas Tirith is actually going to be the seat of power in the western part of Middle-earth, like if Minas Tirith is actually going to defeat Mordor, then Minas Tirith and Isengard have to be aligned, which means at some point, Aragorn also has to fight Saruman. Like, like Saruman has to be defeated before Sauron can properly be defeated. Because even if you defeat Sauron, Saruman still wants the ring. And so you really have to defeat both of these, uh, you know, top level bosses before you can vanquish the video game. So, yeah, I mean, we already know there's going to be a lot of battles, but also one of the things that keeps showing up, we've already talked about Frodo needs a dream psychologist, but now Sam also needs a dream psychologist and Sam's most recent dream. We chatted about just a bit in the episode, but he sees the Shire destroyed and it's turned into a weapons factory, World War II much. And he sees that Frodo will be somehow incapacitated. And seeing this, I actually wondered if this is the tie-in to that earlier line of Gandalf's where the quest, the cracks of doom may be for others. Like maybe it's actually Sam who Frodo is incapacitated maybe he's worn the ring too much and has faded too much and he actually doesn't have the strength or the ring won't let him throw it so sam actually has to be the one who actually throws the ring into the cracks of doom frodo has this vision of battle like i'm thinking that's the battle for ministereth that whoever ends up with ministereth is then finally in a position to defeat mordor and whether it's the men of Westerness or the forces of Sauron, we have to wait and see. And then I also, I'm not discounting this stuff that Galadriel said about, yeah, we're going to let you go throw the ring into the cracks of doom, which means that my ring and the other elvish rings that are out there somewhere are not going to be as powerful anymore and we're going to fade. And so does that mean that then the race of elves in Middle-earth in general, like all the elves of Middle Earth are then going to fade. And so there's not going to be any more elves in Middle Earth. There's just going to be men. Like, is that the end of this age of Middle Earth? Is that there's basically the forces of evil are vanquished for a while, but it means that all these other peoples go away. Like, I, I mean, I, let me just tell you, my, my head is going in so many directions. You made so many predictions over the course of these books, but there is just one that was my favourite prediction overall. It was wrong, 
but I enjoy it. Like I've been enjoying some of your predictions and I'm not going to tell you which ones where you are completely off base and you'll realize that by the end of the book. But I really enjoy where your mind goes and I'm like, <laughs> oh, a little bit of fan fiction fodder for later. <laughs> but the one that I really enjoyed was it was for the Bridge of Khazadum. So you had guessed that Gollum was in Moria and you were right, but you kept thinking that there was going to be this giant confrontation and you ended up predicting that when we get to the Bridge of Khazadum and have to uh, – your prediction was there is a chasm that will need to be crossed by a bridge – we will encounter Gollum on the bridge with other dark creatures. Gollum is with servants of Sauron, a party of minions. And I just had, like, it was such a, in my head what happened was, like, such a classic Disney villain thing where all the forces of bad have, like, teamed up and you have the one laughing character, in this case Gollum, being like, see, I'm going to win and get you, or... Seize, precious, I'm going to win and get my ring. <laughs> I don't know. I think I sound like a vampire by the end of that. Disney, call Mel when you need a voiceover artist because she has got the minions <laughs> down. Well, and as you're saying this, I'm now picturing, you know, the animated version of Gollum with like, you know, the little yellow guys with the glasses. <laughs> minions that totally sounds like a saturday morning special oh but i just enjoyed it so much it just felt so mustache twirling villain to have like golem on the bridge with like these you know nondescript party of minions but then there would be infighting this is where my head went because golem wants the ring for himself he is obsessed with it he is not a servant of sauron while the servants of sauron are there going no no no. we need to take it back to sauron what are you talking about and just chaos ensuing you want to watch a sauron <laughs> <laughs> and uh this uh prediction was followed by no one dies in the story yet oops I got that one highlighted is incorrect <laughs> but no that was my highlight of predictions that are wrong that I can tell you now are wrong because there's a few predictions you've made that I'm like, oh, I'm not going to say anything yet. Uh, we'll, we'll save that. <laughs> Gandalf is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> to our audience, we record, like, we, we don't turn our video on when we record because I think Mel's face might give away things every so often. So I have no idea when I make these predictions if I'm anywhere close, I'm just, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing if it sticks. When we had the cameras on, I did a pretty good poker face. But anyway, I think that the time has come, Kristen. It is time to make predictions for what's coming next. Now, you said you would like to know the title of the next chapter first, and so we'll do the title of the next chapter I think we've done some overarching predictions, but we can do some more. Sure, let's go. So the first chapter of The Two Towers is called The Departure of Boromir. Well, that answers a lot of questions right there, doesn't it? Okay, so... Whose point of view are we going with? Well, okay, and this is also where we're reading a book that was written decades ago. And we learned in the preface that Tolkien wrote that book four is Frodo's journey. So I'm guessing as particularly since we're talking about Boromir right now, 
I'm guessing that the two towers begins with, well, we really don't know where those two hobbits and that one boat went. And we're going to focus on the remaining seven members, no, six members of the fellowship and what's going to happen. I mean, we've already had a scene of Aragorn telling Boromir off, mildly, but off. And I think this is going to be Boromir saying, I joined this group because you all were going kind of my direction, but I'm going to Ministerith. So that leaves Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, Merry, and Pippin. Is that right? Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas, Merry, Pippin. Yes. I still think Legolas and Gimli are going off on the buddy cop adventure. And I think there's going to be some further conversation, like I mentioned earlier, about the need to unite the peoples of Middle-earth and develop some sort of battle plan. Are they going to go in this chapter? Are they going to leave as well on their own way? This is a long story. So I'm going to say that the only person who's actually leaving the group right now, like I think Boromir, well, hang on. I don't think Legolas and Gimli go to Minas Tirith. Yep. So I've written down that Legolas and Gimli will eventually go to unite other races of Middle-earth not going to ministerial at this time. Eventually they're going to Erebor. Question and the part that I, I really am having a hard time. This is why I'm not a fiction writer, y'all. That's why I'm an opera conductor. I, I make other people's stories come to life. I am not sure at all what happens with Aragorn and the other two hobbits. I do think they attempt to stay together, those three. And I think Aragorn really feels responsible for the, the breaking of the fellowship. I think he, he, blames Boromir, but he is taking the responsibility in a leadership sort of way. And he really feels like he needs to take care of the rest of them. If I had been a better leader, Boromir wouldn't have betrayed us kind of thoughts. Right. Or I would have seen it coming or something like that. He mentioned before, like trying to ship Marion Pippin off to Minas Tirith. So like, I'm wondering why the chapter is the departure of Boromir, because Initially, I would have thought that Mary and Pippin would have tagged along for the ride just because it would be safe for them. Could it be that it's Boromir's decision to depart and that's a huge thing and by the end perhaps Aragorn says, all right, but you go take these two with you, they'll be safer in Minas Tirith and Aragorn might go elsewhere or Aragorn says, okay, I see why you want to leave. Me and the others have a different way to go. Adios for now. We'll see you in Minas Tirith eventually. I also, I I mean, they're right there on the edge. That They're on the border of Gondor. and But also, like, there's all kinds of other dangers around. Like, I am not convinced that that one big black thing, Legolas shot out of the sky, is that that is not the only dark danger. We already know there's orcs, and we already know that orcs are on both sides of the river. Like, I think the... I don't think they're safe and I could totally see like a, an attack, another kind of skirmish with the stormtroopers, shall we say? <laughs> I think Aragorn and Boromir actually have it out. I think Boromir oh. has attempted to apologize, but it's just not enough for Aragorn. And I think Aragorn is going to pull up his bootstraps and become the leader and say, you deceitful man 
you get yourself to Ministereth and you get your family together because I'm coming to rule. And I think he's going to depart. And I think then Legolas and Gimli and Aragorn are going to have a a larger conversation about the other races of Middle-earth. And whether it's in this chapter or a very soon-to-come chapter, Legolas and Gimli are going to depart for the buddy cop adventure, heading back towards Erebor, going through Mirkwood to pick up the wood elves and eventually to pick up the dwarves and to unite those two peoples who have been not so friendly. Again, the end of me, my enemy is my friend. And the united elves and dwarves are then going to join the men of Minas Tirith. I think Aragorn and the hobbits are going to attempt to follow Frodo, but they're going to fail. I, I think they're not, either they've got too much of a head start or there's going to be like some skirmish or something that delays them. Like the boats are going to sink or they're going to have an orc attack or they're going to have one of those birds in the sky thing again, or I, I don't, or they're going to waste too much time arguing with Boromir. Like something is going to be where no one can actually effectively follow Frodo and Sam. Frodo and Sam are now on their own. I also, I don't think we're going to hear about Frodo and Sam for a while. I think we're going to pick up their adventure later on in the book, but not right away. I think we're going to hear a lot more about the other parts of Middle Earth. And and I, I we've already sort of talked about that, Isengard and Rohan and Westerness. And I, I think we're going to hear more. Aren't you proud of me? Like, I know these names now. <laughs> you were learning. I just didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> Anything else you want to say? Any other predictions for this book? What kind of characters we might meet? What I don't know anymore. We we did some really good predictions during your breadcrumbs, actually. So that's going to be fun to pull those out and type them up. Oh, here's some things actually, because you you were speculating and stuff. I guess it's questions of do you want these things in your predictions? Let me just have a quick look through your breadcrumbs. So someone else might have to throw the ring into Mount Doom, and you went on to say perhaps Sam in a later thing. Do you think? Do you want that in your predictions or is that just some thoughts that were going through your head? That was the thought I had when I looked at Sam's dream. Uh, and, and we've already seen where Frodo is the hero. Frodo is the one who has to undertake the journey and Sam is always right there. But often Sam has to just insert himself and strengthen Frodo. We've already seen that a number of times. So I think this could and, and also vice versa, where Frodo has to rescue Sam. But I, I, I think I, I do think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. I think Sam is ultimately the one who performs the deed because Frodo is somehow compromised. I, I'm thinking it's because he's worn the ring too many times and the ring is too attached to him and he can't actually get it. The, the ring will not allow him to actually throw it. And so Sam has to be like, fine, I'll do it. And he grabs it and throws it. That's what I'm thinking happens. Next one that I've sort of tabbed that I wanted to expand on. You said maybe it's time for Aragorn's people to show up. And how do you see that happening? Do you just see an army just suddenly appearing? Does he have to send word back? What kind of forces are we looking at? Because remember, what we know about his people now is that they're all rangers pretty much. They're ragtag, bunch of group 
who just have to wander. Well, that can be advantageous in terms of you never know when you're going to run into one. But also there are other ways of distributing information. I mean, we've already talked about Radagast. We've already talked about the, I mean, not in this episode, but we've talked about the importance of Radagast being able to disseminate information. We know that birds can get messages quickly. I could see a piece of the Legolas Gimli buddy cop adventure is tell everybody that you meet that this is what's going down in Minas Tirith and we need to get the information. And, you know, that's a very slow way of information traveling, but we saw it work in Rivendell when everybody was recuperating. We saw that initial group of messengers that were sent out. I could see Elrond's sons and other elves playing a part here, particularly when we're talking about the potential unification of the elves and dwarves in terms of defeating Sauron. But but the kings of Westerness and, and all of that, I, I don't think I know enough about that yet. I, I hope that's more coming. Last one I want to expand on because you keep saying it. Gandalf is alive, according to you. How is that going to play out? I, I think I've already said what I think happens, which is that at a certain point, we are going to re-encounter I, I, whether Ga- Gandalf, like as we know him, is still alive or it's just like his body was defeated, but he's some sort of immortal and his spirit, like it's like an Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of thing where his hologram appears. Like I, I, I just don't think Gandalf is out of the story. <laughs> I think he's too powerful and too important. And when he does reappear, I think we're only gonna get a narrative from him of, just like we did when he was imprisoned in Isengard. I think that's what, what's going to happen. And it, it may not be for quite a while yet, but I, I don't think this is the last we've seen of Gandalf. No. Okay. Well, I guess that wraps us up. And guess what, Kristen? Can I start the next book? You can start the next book. Now, everybody, we are taking a short break. We will be back on Hobbit Day, the 22nd of September, which is a Thursday, not our usual release day. I haven't decided yet whether we're changing our release day to Thursday or if it'll just be a one-off and then we'll go back to our regular Wednesday releases. But either way, we will be back after a short break. We expect lots of emails with your recaps of Fellowship of the Ring in 30 seconds or 60 seconds. You can pick I'll Be Benevolent. We also hope that you join our Discord and participate in the conversations that will undoubtedly still be going on in there over this short break. We're talking about these recaps. If we get enough of them, it would be really cool if we could include one in each of our coming episodes about the two towers where we have a guest podcaster from our audience just remind everybody what happened in the fellowship. And then Mel and I do our normal shtick of what happened in this book and then what happened in the current chapter. Like, wouldn't that be so cool, Mel, if we had a guest podcaster? It would be so cool. So cool. And it'll really save me a lot of heartache and trouble trying to cram everything in to the piddly 30 seconds that Kristen usually gives me to do it in. <laughs> but anyway, y'all, this has been a great two seasons. We have had so much fun walking through these books with all of you, and we can't wait 
to see you again after a very short break when we will pick up again with the two towers. Thanks for joining us. If you want to find us on social media, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Podmoot. Our email address is podmoot at gmail.com and our website is podmoot.com. If you'd like to contact me personally, I'm at Mel Bickett on Twitter and Instagram. Kristen, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Kristen Conducts. Norvera Mellon, until we meet again. Bye, y'all. Thank you.